You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, we are live. Hope you're all having a great night. The return of sports, the return of MMA, the return of the UFC is in the books, ladies and gentlemen, after a buildup for months and months and months, two different dates, two different main events, three different locations. UFC 249 went down tonight in Jacksonville, Florida. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Keck. Welcome to the MMA Fighting UFC 249 live virtual post-fight show. And before we get into the fights, let me just wish all of the moms out there a very happy Mother's Day, especially my beautiful wife, Holly, who is sleeping like a baby right now. And to my mom, Kathy, who probably played a round of golf today and is sleeping that off. But uh, there is a lot to discuss coming out of this event, and that would be the understatement of the century. There's just so much more than we could have expected to come out of this event. But uh, let's let's uh, let, let's let you guys chime in as well. Let us know in the comments what you thought of the event. How would you grade it? Essentially, what is on your mind, MMA fans, after the return of the UFC? Of course, I could talk all night long, but nobody wants to hear that. So joining me and all of you to recap this crazy event first Mr. Alex K. Lee, how are you feeling, sir, after the UFC's return to action tonight? Listen, I know, look, Mike, I don't know how much time we have to waste here. I know everyone wants to get to that that split decision fight between Alexi Linick and Fabrice Verdum. <laughs> I know that's what everyone's talking about, right? I swear we will get to it. Uh, but I will say overall, uh, man, the card, we'll just say it lived up to it lived up to the hype. That's for sure. As far as, it, you know, ahead of time, you know, we all looked at it and on paper. We said this is one of the most stacked cards the UFC has ever put on. Uh, I don't know if it's the best ever. You know, Dana White was touting it as the best ever. But the way it turned out relative to how it looked, boy, pretty, pretty on point. I mean, it, it did not disappoint uh, almost in any area. Absolutely. We also, as you can see, have E. Casey Lydon joining us. Video extraordinaire. Producer extraordinaire. First off, Casey, this was the first pay-per-view number of numbered event in the U.S. that you hadn't covered in person since UFC 104. Over a decade, is that accurate? Yeah, over a decade. The first, the first, not even U.S. The first North American. All the all the Canadian ones, all the ones in uh, Mexico. I've been at every single pay-per-view, and um, yeah, this is the first one. I got to sit at home, watch the feel the pain or face the pain, all that stuff. You know, <laughs> I got to I got to experience it. You know, I got to. I got to hear all the commentary. Wasn't running around backstage trying to find interviews, trying to get through security, finding hey, where's the restroom, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, so it was a, uh, it was a, uh, I was, I was just like one of you. <laughs> yes. Did, did, do you have this like new sense of comfort now covering these events from the privacy of your own home now? I'm. It was weird. It was weird. I don't know. It was just, but just life is weird right now. The event was weird because of no the, the situation we're all in right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I, yeah, it was. It felt kind of actually normal because I've been stuck at home for two months now. So yeah, nothing changed. <laughs> so it almost didn't feel real that there were really fights happening for a long time, but they happened. Absolutely. So let's just get right into this thing. Let's start with what we just saw on pay-per-view ESPN+. Plus. Let's start with the main event. Justin Gaethje with, in my opinion, one of the most impressive performances you will ever see in a title fight or any fight against Tony Ferguson. And props to Tony Ferguson for absorbing all that punishment for almost 24 minutes. But man, Justin Gaethje was absolutely incredible tonight. He is the new UFC interim lightweight champion. Although he's not going to call himself that, he certainly didn't want the title belt as he got rid of it and said he's going to wait for the real one. So, man, this is impressive. Uh, it, it was impressive. I think the best. I think the best performance of uh, Justin Gaethje's career. I know he has so many. You know, he's the highlight reel. He has so many big knockouts. But we kind of had this discussion on uh, one of our shows in the last couple of weeks when I asked, you know, what's more impressive, a uh, first round knockout or or, or a five round decision? And in this case. I don't know if you could have learned more about how good Justin Gaethje is than by watching this fight, where he dissected a guy on a 12-fight win streak, one of the toughest lightweights probably in UFC history. And uh, let me add, by the way, I might be the only one out there who predicted Gaethje. Oh, I guess I, I, I was so close to being <laughs> right about it. I predicted Gaethje by decision. I was so close. I was maybe two minutes away before, uh, before Herb Dean did the right thing. Uh, and stepped in to save a very, very, very badly rocked uh, Tony Ferguson. So I, I, I feel like I was close enough to, to nailing the prediction. Don't read the rest of my predictions, by the way. People <laughs> don't go back and really just how close it was to nailing the main event. Case, like we just talked about, you've been covering these events live since UFC 104 in terms of pay-per-view events, you know, in North America and even beyond. Yeah. But you know, wh- where would you rate Gaethje's performance in terms of title fight? <clears throat> 
you know, acumen and performance and from start to finish. I mean, this, this was unbelievable. Well, he, everything that, everything that has been advertised by Gaethje, he came through tonight. Um, He was tough, relentless, the leg kicks, the solid, solid takedown defense. Um, Did Tony really even shoot like a proper takedown? I don't, I don't think he's done it for a while. I didn't know he did the Minari roll toward the end of desperation, but, but either way, um, just, just incredible. I was expecting that. I was expecting that performance tonight from Gaethje, and um, he showed up. And um, yeah, definitely, definitely one of the best perform. Definitely one of the best um, uh, championship performances I've seen. Alex, you know what, what could Habib Nurmagomedov be thinking right now? Because you know everyone thought it was going to be Ferguson. You know everyone thought Justin Gaethje. You know if he won, he'd spoil the party and ruin everything. But now I think that's th- this fight is so much more fascinating after that performance. What could Habib be thinking right now? Well, I know we, just, we we did see him issue a couple of tweets, uh, fairly cryptic. One of them was uh, no comments, or people want to hear it and do hear my Habib impression, uh, no comment. Uh, the other one was, you know, uh, well, I think it was just, you know, Justin Gracie, great job. Um, what could he be? I, I still, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those people who's going to say uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is afraid of anybody. I know that was a proper thing to say when, oh, he flew back to Russia so he could avoid fighting Ferguson. Stop that talk, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think any rational person. Uh, is somewhat is somewhat scared of fighting Justin Gaethje, but if you're if you're Habib, uh, I think you've got to look at this as an opportunity to just build your legacy even more. Because right now, anyone who saw this fight is thinking Justin Gaethje is just the baddest mother effort they've ever seen. And if Habib can beat him, that already incredible legacy just goes even higher. So I think they have to work to set that fight up. Speaking of baddest mfers, how about Tony Ferguson? And we got to give him all the props too because. And I love Daniel Cormier's quote. I think it stuck out a lot in that main event. He said something to the effect of this has to be the record for the most fight ending shots taken (laughs) by a single person in a fight. And man, this guy deserves so much credit for not only taking with with the Habib thing right there for him, but, you know, he was actually clear as a bell talking to Joe Rogan after the fight. Like what? Like this guy is so, so tough. But. Where where does Tony Ferguson go from here? I know one of the commenters said Tony versus Connor makes a lot of sense, but I don't think Tony Ferguson is fighting anytime soon. But who knows? This man could be healed up by tomorrow because he's not human, Alex. He's not human. I think as people can see, I can barely talk now after just watching the <laughs> fight, much less, you know, as Tony, like you said, Tony Ferguson took those uh, took those shots and then did an eloquent interview with Joe Rogan after. Uh, where does he go now? First of all, let me tell you people something. Tony and Habib is not dead, okay? I know it's – I know people are thinking like, oh, there's no reason for Habib to take that fight now because that mystique of kind of the two 12-fight win streak, the two unbeatable lightweights is gone. I still think this fight can happen. Of course, it depends how much longer Ferguson wants to fight, how much longer Habib wants to fight. They're, they are up against the clock now for sure, and, and you have to think Ferguson is – at least one fight away. I don't see them uh, making the fight off, you know, off of this loss unless, again, for some reason, Gaethje can't make it and Conor McGregor can't make it. Then, uh, hey, they can book guys coming off losses. This happened before. And, and again, if everyone still wants to see this fight, I still refuse to believe the fight is dead. But I've also, I also said it wasn't going to get canceled for a fifth time. So take my prediction with a grain of salt. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, is 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 McGregor next for Ferguson? I mean, I think that'd be a big fight. Uh, but like we said, what we want to see for him is honestly just take the rest of the year off. Uh, and rest. I know. Again, he's he's up there in age. People don't want to hear that. I'd love to see him take a year off and 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 look at the lightscape lightweight landscape uh, next year in 2021, and then figure out where to fight from there. Yeah. Props to both guys. Delivered fantastic performances. I mean, Gaethje was on fire. Ferguson just showing that that ability to be a zombie. It was just it was just impressive on both ends. No matter how you slice it. I mean, the the the, the timing that Justin Gaethje has on those home runs, swinging punches, just incredible. I mean, it was just an unbelievable performance to watch. So congratulations to Justin Gaethje. Big things ahead of him. Habib Nurmagomedov is in his uh is in his path. When you were watching that fight at home, like like everyone was, except for maybe like twenty people in the arena, were you like, okay, I, I started the fight, I was sitting on my couch watching it, but as the as the rounds went on, I noticed I was actually on my, I was standing on my couch on my tiptoes almost, just like, <laughs> and like in every all those left hooks, I could like feel them. I I, I felt like I was getting, I was felt like I was getting a shave. They were coming so close, and like Tony was just like, poof. it was just like. The fact that there was no crowd there, it, it almost made. I, I I swear, it felt more tense for that fight because yeah, because like because you were just because really until the last like five seconds of the fight, Tony really never got wobbled. He never got clean dropped. It was just 
it was like I don't like you said he is El Kaku. he is a boogeyman that is that's just an unreal toughness that's something you don't want to show off too much but um yeah just a just an incredible performance on both guys I saw someone say that without you know without any any extra noise that we normally have you could you could feel the fist hitting like skin and bone like that was the weird thing you could almost feel it bouncing off the bone underneath the flesh which is not really even with the technology we have now not something you normally get but with no crowd you just you just heard it all uh, Mike I want to ask you do you think that I don't know if Francis and Ganu could knock Tony Ferguson out clean what do you think <laughs> I don't know man I mean it, it might take him to like the second or third round to do it but I mean it was just unbelievable it really was just unbelievable watching him take those punches and I, I think that was the most consistent tweet subject I had throughout that fight is like, how is Tony Ferguson still on his feet? This man is not human. And, and then the question I had was, what was even, what was the most impressive part of that fight? Was it the ability of Tony Ferguson to take punishment or the ability of Justin Gaethje to time those just hammers so accurately throughout the fight? I'd love to know the striking percentage of the shots landed by Justin Gaethje throughout that fight, because those yeah. numbers are probably staggering. He landed yeah. so much. And a credit to credit to Gaethje's corner. I think it was Trevor Whitman who who was calming him down after the first couple of rounds, saying, "Yo, you're throwing 100% behind everything. You got to calm down." Like he knew he was winning the fight, but I think he'd also seen, you know, the two losses that Gaethje had. He'd faded a little bit, you know, against Alvarez and against Poirier. So I think he said, "Look, you're winning this fight. Settle down. You don't need to put 100% on everything. You know, th 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 this guy's tough." And then they realized how tough he was. So credit to them. They 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 really really focused him and and, and got him to the win. Yeah, there were small, then, there were, there were little windows where we saw the um, w, um, World Series of Fighting Justin Gaethje. I mm -hmm. felt like that, just like, like I'm just here to I'm just here to entertain you guys in the crowd. That's what I'm here for. And that's there were moments of that. You, you could tell Justin like, when he started getting that moment. He was like, oh, no, 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 got to win the fight, got to win the fight first. <laughs> yeah, and I thought what was also interesting between rounds when when Whitman was talking to Gaethje, Whitman was like, yeah, you're having fun, but remember the last time you you, you were really comfortable. You know, you got knocked out. He goes twice. Like Gaethje just like was in the moment and just threw that out there like it was nothing. And I, I thought from there, I'm like, all right, he's he's going to come out and be the same guy in the fifth round, too. So congratulations to Justin Gaethje. Big things coming up. Uh, but let's talk about some more shocking stuff. The co-main event. This is the fight on the card that fascinated me the, mo the most heading in. Henry Cejudo defends his Bantamweight title against Dominic Cruz. And Henry comes out with that great first round and you know, Cruz was starting to trying to find his legs. And then the second round, he's starting to get his rhythm a little bit. And then Cejudo lands that big knee, followed up with around a dozen punches, and the referee stops the fight. But we're going to get to the stoppage in a moment because as big of, of a win as that was for Henry Cejudo, that may have been his last win because after the fight, he announced his retirement. And if, the, if, if you were going to ask me before that fight who's going to retire after this fight, Henry Cejudo would not be my guest on any day if you asked me 100 different times. This was shocking to me. Didn't expect that. Maybe I should have, you know, with all the negotiations back and forth between him and the UFC since the Marlon Marais fight. But I don't know, man. I was shocked. What do you think, Alex? Were you, like, blown away by that or did, yeah. you, did you see it coming? I mean, as it was unfolding, it you know, you start doing the math in your head and it kind of starts to make more sense to you. But for sure, especially based on, you know, how he ha how he's been handling the media, he's been doing a lot, a lot of call outs, a lot of, oh, here's who I want to fight next. And and uh, I still want to fight Aldo or, and, and, you know, here's what I think of Peter Yan and what I think of Aljamain Sterling, things like that. So he was doing all the right things, you know, that, that a champion who's planning to stick around does kind of setting up his next opponents. But again, like I said, doing the math, if this is really the end for him. Uh, I'm very happy for him because I think he's 33 years old. You know, he's got the Olympic gold medal, two UFC titles, two divisions. Uh, he's he's achieved really everything that you would want to achieve. I, I would hope uh, and made some good money as well. Uh, it's possible. It's a negotiating tactic. I know that's a lot of people said right away. It's just I think that tells you about the nature of this business. That's the kind of the conclusion a lot of us jump to. And uh, I, I'm reading now that. Uh, he said in this post fight something to the effect of uh, Dana White knows the number to get me out of retirement. So already, again, is, already, <laughs> is, yes, is, is this is this the king of cringe just kind of playing around with us again, and 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 or was it actually a negotiating tactic? Uh, you know, with with uh, Cejudo, we we won't, we'll never know. Um, he's he surprised us a lot, and uh, I have a feeling he might not be done surprising us. Casey, I saw you making faces as Alex was talking about the retirement and all this <laughs> stuff. So, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how likely do you think it is that we saw Henry Cejudo in the octagon for the last time? I think it's it's it's, it's a fifty-fifty, about a five. I think um, right now, I think um, there'll be a little 
I think I think it's be, it'd be between UFC and WWE right now. I think I think um, I think pro wrestling is right there. Right. I mean, he was he was in the same hotel with the wrestlers from AEW and the WWE um, Performance Center is just about three hours down the road. So I think and and, and um um uh, Cejudo has mentioned pro before he be, his MMA career. He mentioned that he's gone to um, pro wrestling tryouts and everything, and he's he's thought about it. He was a, he was a big fan growing up. So I, Henry I Cejudo in the WWE. Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no offense, but he's a. Uh, He's not the biggest guy. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's obviously got credentials up the wazoo, but oh, how believable would that, that be in, that, in that WWE? Gim- that gimmick will be amazing. <laughs> amazing. I'm, cr- I'm cringing already. I'm cringing already. I, I don't even know what to say. But, but um, overall, I mean, obviously the retirement is is a big story, and whatever he decides, obviously that's up to him. He's got a family, and he's he's already achieved so much. And th- this current streak that he's on, the, the, the this four fight run, you know, on top of the winning streak is just. If you look at it in the annals of UFC history, this is right up there. This is just super impressive with DJ and Marias and Dillashaw and now Dominic Cruz. Just uh, an unbelievable run for him. But let's talk about the performance, Alex. What what did you think of Henry Cejudo's performance? Especially because one of the big questions heading in was, how is he going to deal with the length, the height of Dominic Cruz, and and especially the the movement that he has? That's that's always the big story with Dominic Cruz. And Cejudo handled it pretty well, in my opinion. What did you think of Cejudo's perhaps final fight in the UFC? Boy, he was good, wasn't he? I mean, he was he was so patient. You know, pa- patience is the key. I think when you're dealing with someone like like Dominic Cruz, I, uh, fighting him, fighting that style must be so maddening. You know, especially when you're a guy like Cejudo, where you know you've got you've got some pop. You know that you can land that knockout blow. But if you chase it, man, he's gonna look. He's gonna make you look silly. You know, he's made a lot of people look silly in his career. And he also did, you know, the two things um, that that. Oh, sorry, he did the thing that that has really benefited uh, some of Cruz's last two opponents, Garbrandt, who beat him, and T.J. Dillashaw, who came very close to beating him. He went after those legs right away. You know, he's dealing with a taller guy, and he's dealing with a guy who likes to move a lot. So he was landing those leg kicks right away. Cruz was having a lot of difficulty avoiding them, and uh, it affected his movement throughout the fight. And and I think uh, it was very much part of the setup for the eventual finishing sequence. So uh, Cejudo couldn't have come in with a better game plan, and he couldn't have executed it better. If this retirement does actually stick, Casey, there's a lot. Of, there was a lot of talk heading into this event with Dominic Cruz getting the title shot. There are guys that deserve it way more than him: Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling and and Corey Sandhagen. You can make arguments for all of those guys, but ultimately, Cejudo is a draw. Cringe or not, people watch Henry Cejudo. They just do. Is this a good thing for the bantamweight division? Now that it op- potentially opens things up a little bit, or is this a bad thing for the division now that one of the, the rising stars of the sport may no longer be competing? It's, it's gonna be ult- ultimately, it's going to be a bad thing. I mean, it's good for Cejudo, most likely. Wherever he's going next, he's going to get the biggest, the biggest paycheck. Wherever he's going next, the WWE. I think we're even unclear. Uh, do we even know his actual um, contract status in the UFC? Is that unknown right now? Other yeah, than, not sure. I know, other I than the championship clause, yeah, he's. I mean, he's still a fighter, so I'm not. I mm-hmm. honestly don't know enough, but about his actual financial status and contract status. But I think in the end, this is, this is going to suck for fighters, and it's going to suck for Sterling. It's going to suck for Jan. Um, they're just going to be waiting around a long, a long time. And Cejudo, when he does come back, he will be only coming back to the biggest paycheck, and the biggest paycheck may not be the actual. Well, most most likely not be the legit number one contender. It's going to be another, it'll be auto. It'll be maybe cruise again, you know, like maybe cruise again. Actually, when UFC does their metrics, it turns out, you no know, more people are going to buy a Cejudo Cruz rematch than a um, Cejudo Aljamain Sterling. Cause you know, I'm sure once Cruz gets, you know, does some more media, he's going to be, you know, about the stoppage. I, and we, I'm sure we're going to talk about the stoppage later, but um, you know, that there's that controversial stoppage. Cruz is out for four years, four is it four years, three years, something like that. Almost like, four uh, years. Yeah, almost four yeah, years. Almost four. You know, so there's lots of there's lots of storylines to, to to sell Cruz again in a rematch. No, not not in a sports wise, but just in a strictly like sell stories to the the the, the casual MMA fan. So um, bad for those guys. Good for Cejudo. Yeah, I mean, you got a couple of big fights coming up. I mean, Marias versus Jan, from all indications, is still going to be a go for June thirteenth and a location TBD. Maybe that's the uh, the debut of Fight Island. We shall see. Um, and then 
you know, I would assume that Sterling and Sanhagen is probably the fight to make, you know, sometime in June, maybe July. So who knows if, if Cejudo does get, is no longer the champion, I don't know which fight gets favored as, as a potential title fight to become the new champion or Alex, this might be right up your alley. Do we, do we dare say maybe a four man tournament here and, oh. and knock it out that way? Oh, we got to do it. I, I, apparently, Cejudo suggested this as well. Uh, post fight, uh, the post fight press conference. I'll have, to, I'll have to watch that later. But I'm seeing that he did mention something like that. I don't know the names involved, but I think like, it would be pretty obvious: Morais, Jan, Sanhagen, and Aljamain, right? I mean, I think that's that's the four guys you want. Aldo still in the mix, like we said. Cruz, of course, still in the mix. I I think I, I almost think that in some ways this will be good for the division in the long run. Uh, I personally was not a fan of the King of Cringe, the Triple C persona. Um, yes, it was good for headlines. It's good for quotes, good for, you know, social media stuff, uh, which is stuff, you know, again, on our side, we love that. But I think in the long term, this will be better. I think you want to build up guys. Like, I, I think Al Jermaine is a, is a guy with a great personality and as someone who's very marketable. Um, I, I think we don't know enough about Corey Sanhagen yet. He could be a, a marketable guy. You know, uh, Piotr Jan, he could have that, that Habib appeal. I know. I know sometimes we look at uh, foreign fighters and we think, oh, how much are they going to necessarily have crossover appeal in North America? But some of the biggest stars in the UFC were, were um, fighters not from the U.S. I mean, uh, George St. Pierre, you know, just uh, recently today announced for the UFC Hall of Fame, one of the greatest draws in, in history. So uh, I, I think it'll be a good thing. I, we, we don't even know, actually, for the UFC how much of an impact Cejudo's reign, you know, he said he saved the flyweight division. That's, I don't even know what that means and uh, how much of an impact he had on, on pay-per-view buys, you know, that kind of information is so um, difficult to parse now with the ESPN plus deal. So it's hard to say how much your draw Cejudo really was. Again, he certainly got headlines. He certainly did his best to be a larger than life persona. And we don't know if these other guys want to do that or if they're capable of doing that. But I am being optimistic and thinking um, this will move the, this will end up eventually moving the division forward. Ah, we have uh, our post-fight bonuses. I was wondering where this was going to go. Um, Ferguson versus Gaethje, fight of the night, performance of the night, Justin Gaethje, and Francis Ngannou. I think I think there should have been like a dozen bonuses tonight uh, at the end of it. I'm, so I'm happy that Justin got the, uh, the double bonus, but I, I, I kind of wish the, um, the fight of the night actually went to a little farther down the line to um, Luke versus Price. Just because of the oh, back and forth nature. I mean, all credit to Ferguson for taking taking his whooping like a man. But as far as competitive, all action, I'll go, I'll go Luke um, Price. But hey, congrats to Ferguson. Earn an extra 50K. Oh, and that's also, I think Esther Lynch has told me, in Gaethje's seven fights, you know how many bonuses he has in seven fights? It's nine now, right? Nine <laughs> bonuses in seven fights. Seven crazy. Fights. That's crazy. That is... He's not the human highlight reel. He's the human bonus machine. <laughs> that is, um, wow. That is insane. It's just sick. That's sick. It's like, just no, so like, sick. That's, no, no, one's, no one's close to that. Like, seven fights and seriously, not one dud. Not one dud. Yeah. That's a, not, not even close to a dud. That's, that's just <laughs> like, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I just. Gonna, so crazy. Yeah, I'm just gonna was, think about um, that for a while. Yeah, like wow. <laughs> it was crazy because after that sec, after that second consecutive loss, you know, there was talks about you know I only have like I'm gonna fight on my contract, then I'm gonna be done. I only have like three or four fights left, and now look at him. He's about to fight Habib Nurmagomedov in one of the biggest 155 pound title fights in history after that performance. So good lord, and I'm, you know, you know, to, sorry, to, sorry, to put wait, a bow. Oh yeah, like just go back to his two losses. I'm sorry, but like when I was putting together, we put together these timeline videos, which basically you know just you know, all their fights in the UFC. And people kind of forget when he, remember when he, after he fought, he lost against Poirier, two fight losing streak, and they put him against uh, James Vick in a main event. At that point, James Vick was on like a seven fight win streak. And to think, to think if Justin would have lost that fight, which now kind of seems ridiculous to even think that it was possible, <laughs> you know, but at the time it was like, no, he, no, it, it was, I don't know what coming into the fight. It was still a toss up, you know, it's just like it was like you said, like it was so crazy how close Justin Gaethje was one fight away from three fight losing streak. And I don't know, it's kind of be I'm kind of honest. I don't think UFC would have kept him around considering his paycheck he wants and on a three fight losing streak. So whew, what a, what a, what an amazing run. But that's MMA yeah. though, right? I mean, MMA, you are, you know, 
it doesn't matter what level you're at. Well, actually, I should say it becomes more precarious, more precarious the higher you go. You know, you get to this level and then suddenly you can go from being a contender to, again, like I said, two fights away from being released, um, depending how your fights go, depending how you lose, depending what your contract situation is, uh, depending on your relationship with Dana White uh, or the matchmakers, everyone. So that's MMA, you know, but but you're right. It is crazy how quickly um, this turned around. Just uh, touch upon the bonuses again really quickly. Uh, I mean, I feel like Calvin Cater should have got one. That's That step in elbow was nuts. You know, and certainly any other night he would have. Um, I don't know if we need to double up on the bonuses for for Gaethje. Again, a fight of the night for sure. But I think we could have given Cater uh, the other the other performance bonus. Um, Henry Cejudo, even. I mean, obviously after he retired, I feel like that they weren't in a rush to to give him any extra money. But <laughs> but he could have gotten one. And then uh, boy, we had a lot of great fights on here. Uh, Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone was a great fight. You know that that would have been a fight of the night. Any other card. It, there was just a lot of great action, so uh, hopefully they do dish out a lot of uh, bonuses, and you know that just don't uh, don't necessarily publicize them. Yeah, like we said at the top of this thing, there's so much to talk about. There's so many different storylines yeah. to dive into. Uh, to put a bow in the co-main event, you know, the the stoppage, I guess, was was a little questionable. I mean, Cruz certainly didn't like the stoppage. It seemed like Joe Rogan didn't like it at first, but then he kind of accepted it after. What did you think, Alex? Do you think the stoppage was was justified or a little too soon? Uh, two things. I mean, immediately, you know, I was I was uh, manning the social media today, so definitely immediately I saw almost everyone unanimously saying, "Oh, it was too early." But I think the replay uh, vindicate was it Keith Peterson. Yes, the referee. Yes, yes. I, I think the ref- I think the replay vindicated Keith Peterson quite a bit. There was a lot of unanswered shots, and I'm aware that uh, Cruz was trying to stand up. He was still somewhat cognizant of what was going on, but there's that whole defend yourself intelligently thing, and a lot of clean punches were getting through. It, it wouldn't have been the worst thing for the fight to go on, but I don't think it was a bad stoppage either. And I think it was also affected by the fact that people saw it was in the last 10 seconds. And of course, that immediately makes everyone say, oh, just let them go. Let it last. If that had been in the middle of the round, it would have been much less controversial. So um, I understand the immediate controversy, but I think it, it was very, very quickly, uh, you know, kind of put down by uh, just kind of reviewing it and just looking it over. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a tough judgment call. You gotta, you gotta err on the side of caution and made a, made a decision. I don't have a big problem with it. I mean, if you want to say it's it was an early stoppage, I'm not going to argue with you, but I didn't have a huge problem with it. Casey had the thumbs down, so I assume uh, you thought it was, a, it was a great stoppage. <laughs> yeah, thumbs down, great stoppage. <laughs> no, I'm not happy with the stoppage. Um, these guys, they fight at such a high level. Um, this is a championship fight. Cruz had taken no serious damage before. It's not like he was knocked down repeatedly. Like, say, when Tony, when they stopped the fight with Tony, he had he took damage, took so much damage, took so much damage. And he wasn't even, like, he didn't even get dropped, and they stopped the fight just because of the continuing amount of damage he was taking. I think uh, Cruz um, earns, earned that right to get, work his way out. Um, he, took, he took two clean shots, the knee and the follow-up uh, cross that dropped him. But everything, everything has him getting up. They, they say 11 unanswered shots. A lot of those are side the head, gra- grazing. A couple of them missed. And, and like you said, Cruz was getting up. To me, that is intelligent, defending yourself. You were getting up. You were trying to defend yourself and move away from those punches. I just think it was a bad stoppage. And, um, but I've seen, much worse stop- I've seen much worse earlier stoppages. So, and like, like, like um, Dominic said, I shouldn't have gotten eaten in the head. Yeah. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We mentioned uh, Justin Gaethje in his uh, in his turnaround with his career. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Francis Ngannou. Good oh, Lord. sorry, Mike. Before we move on, I just oh, want to say let's, let's before go. we move on from Gaethje, can be completely. I'll just say quickly. Let's put out odds for uh, Gaethje Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov heavily heavily favored, minus three fifty, and uh, Gaethje an almost uh, an almost three to one underdog. That, so I'm a little surprised at that after what we saw tonight because Gaethje doesn't look human. But respect to the champ, I suppose. What respect were the, the actual champ. odds of um, Habib Ferguson? The fifth one. I don't think either guy, it was, I don't think either guy was more than, it was like minus, you know, I think it was maybe minus 150 or 180, something like that, but definitely not two to one. Yeah, that's wild. So the guy that just whooped up Ferguson actually is a bigger underdog than, all right, whatever. Odds are. I don't odds know. Odds. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. We're, we're it's a, it's a fantasy uh, fight right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure. Justin seemed Justin seemed okay, but I mean, he took a lot of punishment in that fight too. Yeah. So uh, it'll be. I mean, I, I don't know if it's happening in July. Like, I guess Habib might be targeted in July. I just don't see it happening then. So maybe we are thinking September, October for that fight. But that's one that that I'm going to be looking forward to, and I'm sure everybody watching this as well will look forward to. 
Also, but, uh, you know, we mentioned Justin Gaethje, his turnaround. What about Francis Ngannou? 20 seconds was all it took to deliver that thunderous knockout over Jarzinho Rosenstrike. And it's funny because on what the heck prior to the April 18th iteration of this event before it all got postponed. He said Jarzinho reminded him of, of himself before he fought Stipe Miocic. He had that feeling of confidence, like he was untouchable. And then, you know, the fight with Stipe happened and everything kind of turned around in the Derek Lewis fight and just something clicked with him. And now he's just annihilating everybody. Uh, your reaction, Alex Gailey, to uh, Francis Ngannou quickly putting his prey away. Uh, let, let me say, I, I don't believe in jinxes. I don't believe in superstitions. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Uh, okay, I, I, I'm the last person to believe in any of that stuff. But I believe I reverse jinx this into happening because if you see my <laughs> predictions on MMA fighting, I said I thought we we're going to get Lewis, Nganu Lewis, part deux. Is going to go the distance, and I had Rosenstrike winning a decision. So obviously a terrible prediction retrospect, but obviously one I made for the fans. I took that bullet for everyone so that we could get this finish. Um, uh, I think it was uh, Mookie Alexander from, from Bloody Elbow who made a good point on uh, social media that uh, as impressive as Nganu has been, and by the way, his last four fights, 45-second uh, knockout, 26-second knockout, 71-second knockout, and now 20-second knockout. Despite all that, we haven't seen – we don't know if we've seen anything new from him. We might have seen an improved uh, and refined version of what we had before. But he's finishing guys so quickly. Like I, I couldn't tell you if he fought Stipe again, would it go differently? Or if he fought uh, Daniel Cormier, how would that fight go? I actually have no idea um, because, again, we're kind of seeing just a better version of what he was when he, when he burst into the scene. So he has been friggin' awesome. And the way he imposed his will on this fight, I actually think was a little bit different from what we've seen before. Because usually he catches guys rushing at him. This time he said, I'm just going in. I'm not scared. And uh, 20 second finish, that's what we got. So I, maybe we saw a little a little bit of a new look from Francis. A new, absolutely terrifying look from Francis. See, that was yeah, a good and, stoppage. And, that was a good yeah. stoppage. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> no controversy there. I know. Yeah, no, that was... <laughs> It was too late, if anything. I think the ref saw some of that heat flying, and yeah. I think he was like, I don't want to catch one of those. <laughs> the ref's all like, no, no, nah, nah, Biggie Boy, you signed up for this, man. You on your own. <laughs> I think he still uh, he still looks okay to me. Just give me a second before I hop in there. Yeah. Holy Whoa. cow. I jumped, I jumped up. I screamed watching that. Like, uh, like that, That's why I'm, I'm happy I'm not on press row right by the cage because I just have been like, just, I mean, I didn't, I, didn't have, I didn't have any horse in the race, man, but just seeing that power, that violence, Ten. and that just – High level MMA, high level heavyweight MMA, and just uh, just that was was it that that was he's such a violent was it is he a Ford Escort Ford Taurus what is what did he, what did Dana call him <laughs> I, think oh. was, uh, I think it was uh, Escort Ford Escort yeah it was just. Good stoppage. Good stoppage, by the way. Have you guys ever seen anyone like – I think maybe Anthony Rumble Johnson when he was a welterweight. um, But I don't know if there was – I don't know if I've ever seen anyone like this at the UFC level finishing people this quickly and uh, and, in such a scary way. Over and over again. Yeah, and he's like expressionless about it too. Like he doesn't change his facials at all. Even when he fit, he just walks away. He's got that look in his eyes, asks about the title. He just doesn't even smile, doesn't even acknowledge the win. He just – Knew it was going to happen, and now he's on to the next one. And what's interesting is, and Alex sort of brought this up, Casey, is, you know, what should happen with this heavyweight division? Because Stipe Miocic doesn't think he'll be ready to fight until the summertime, or at least until after the summer, maybe towards the end of the year. And now you got Ngano, you got Daniel Cormier. He's waiting for his last fight. DC versus Ngano is a very interesting matchup, like Alex alluded to. But we know he wants that trilogy fight with Stipe, and you can't blame him for that. But what does the UFC do at the top of this division? Can they really strip Stipe Miocic of this title? I mean, I think they can, but should they? I mean, is this really possible? Oh, God, I, I hope they don't strip him. That's horrible. I mean, that's that's why we have interim belts. Why? That's, there's he Stipe Miocic is doing a very important job right now, a job that's so much more important than fighting in a cage for money. You know, he is he's a first responder in Cleveland in a worldwide pandemic. So I the, the fact that that's even being discussed of stripping him is – just bonkers to me um and it kind of, it kind of really it feels weird even to try to def, try to sell the to sell it you know like that no Stipe's doing real stuff right now like that i uh, no um but interim belt though i'm I, I like the way that sounds yeah i mean we, we, the interim board gets thrown out quite a bit in this sport maybe too much but i think uh but 
these makes all the sense in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, look, in, interim is the new guys. Interim is the new undisputed. All right, really, what <laughs> the way the way that they're being booked and the way that they're they're being thrown out there. I mean, we see interim fights as many. We see undisputed fights. So, is there is there really a difference at this point? So, um, I mean, I'll, I still I still view Stipe as a champion. But I mean, if Ngannou fights whoever next, like a Cormier, I don't know, for an interim belt and takes him out, is anyone going to argue against Ngannou being like the toughest, like, ever, like the baddest heavyweight in the world? I mean, I know Stipe beat him, but again, <laughs> you know, how, how many fights ago was that? Now it's like, what have you done for me lately, right? So, um, obviously, I'm being a bit flippant and, and and sarcastic about this, but yeah, no, really, what's the harm in doing an interim title fight? Um, it's much better than stripping Stipe. I think the optics of that are terrible. The man is a firefighter. The man has been a pretty good company man. I mean, I know, I know he's had some negotiation issues with Dana White and with the, and with the promotion, but otherwise, he's exactly what you want in a fighter uh, representing your company. So, don't strip him of the belt just because you're just you're impatient. Go interim. Yeah, interim's fine. Yeah, Eric Be- Eric Benjamin chiming in. Uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson versus versus Francis Ngannou. Not now, not now, but. I would love to see that at some point. Yeah. Um, I'm, if DC wants to sit around and wait for Stipe, sure. He's just going to get older, you know. Um, but uh, I, w- I would absolutely freaking love uh, DC versus Nagano for the interim. Um, yeah. And, I, and it's funny. I would actually pick DC, I think, over Nagano right now. But, uh, man, I just think that's such a – I just – I just don't know. Like you said, like, like Mookie said from Bloody Elbow, I don't know how much better um, in the ground game Francis is right now. But I think mentally, though, he is ready for that type of fight now. I would agree. And I think DC watched that fight very closely because I think if, if Jarzinho won, yeah, I mean, but I just don't know if DC would have found the sizzle in that fight. But now that Ngannou won and did it so impressively, there's a lot of sizzles at that stake right now. There's the salt and pepper and A1 everything on that fight. So <laughs> so I'm down. I, I think DC will be down for that one as well. So uh, if you guys got comments, questions, throw them in the comments right now and, and we will address those. But another a bunch of great performances. Calvin Cater. Making it happen, the New England, uh, the New England region needed to win badly um, after DeCastro and and Charles Rose's losses. Yeah. Cater comes out and uh, it does it. First round was uh, was a little testy for a while. Stevens was landing leg kicks and it was beating him up a little bit. But you know you could see at the end of that first round that Cater was starting to find his rhythm. And man, did he deliver with one of the most vicious standing elbow knockouts that that you will ever see. And just. We were talking about the empty arena and the sound that that those things made, and, and if you think about the memorable sounds of the night, that elbow landing was uh, was one of those sounds for me. Uh, thoughts on Calvin Cater's performance, Casey? Because that was that that was impressive. That was one of those wins that he really needed to to move up. Maybe he's got a top five fight in him. I think that's where the direction that the UFC should go with him. Your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think uh, Stevens is that guy. If you want to fight those guys, those those number one contender guys, you got to beat Jeremy Stevens, and he did. He did it convincingly tonight. Um, he was a little bit of a slow starter, so you know he took a bit of a beating in the in the first uh, round or so. But um, yeah, but once Calvin, you know, once he was going all you know, all in, oh, man, that was just just a beautiful setup. Just that that elbow, the way Stevens just came. In. I think Stevens was uh, was Stevens throwing a hook. Well, Stevens was coming into a crosser, I think. And man, I just, I just, when I see that elbow land, it's just like, that's one of those elbows you, you throw in training, you throw in the pads, you throw in your coach and you, you just go, Oh my God, if I actually land this in a real fight, I would kill a man. And, um, he did it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex, where does Calvin Cater go from here? Cause I saw a lot of people on Twitter and I sort of agree with this Calvin Cater versus Yair Rodriguez. That tickles my fancy in a big way. Do you agree with that? Or do you see something else for, for the Boston finisher? Uh, I mean, I certainly love that fight. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, Yair just beat uh, Jeremy Stevens, and now uh, now Cater just beat Jeremy Stevens. So why not put the two together, right? I, I, I want to say a little bit about his performance first before I am speculating on kind of another matchup. Is that uh, you know he took uh, he was getting some criticism on the call about getting off to a slow start, and I actually think he was being smart. I think uh, yes, he may have been um, giving up a little bit too much ground to Stevens, but I think he did it in such a way that he was bending without breaking. Because the last thing you want to do is kind of rush into a fight with Jeremy Stevens, especially if you know you're a better, and I'm sure he, he, him and his team think so, that he's a better technical striker. 
then that a lot you don't want to go into a brawl. That's how you lose those, right? So Jeremy Stevens can knock out anybody at 145, 155. This guy can knock out anybody. So I think Cater was so smart. And and Cater, once he starts those gets getting those combinations going, man, he's fun to watch. He's one of the most fun guys to watch. And it's the kind of uh, when he when he gets in that rhythm, that's how he sets up that finishing blow, right? And uh, one of the prettiest one of the prettiest finishing blows that you can see. Um, so Cater. Gosh, I like that Yair matchup. Um, I'm I'm just going off sort of looking at a list here. I can't remember who's sort of booked. Josh Emmett might be interesting, though. I guess he leapfrogged Josh Emmett now with that win. I guess Yair makes a lot of sense. Uh, what's going on with Zombie? What's going on with Zombie again? He, he got booked? I know he had surgery, so he's out mm. until the summer. So, I mean, that, that could be an interesting one, but yeah, I don't I, know if there's yeah. a... I don't know if Zombie takes that fight. Yeah, and maybe I, I not. Think, I mean, I think it's fun to match. It's fun to kind of you imaginary matchups right now, but I think it's just the reality is international fighters versus U.S. fighters just aren't happening probably within within next six months. Who knows longer? Mm-hmm. Being positive, saying six months. So I think uh, yeah, I think Ayer will probably be the most likely option. But Ayer, you know, who knows? But yeah, but but Cater. What about yeah. Fight Island, where where all of our dreams can come true? Yeah. <laughs> all are welcome. Are we, are we, yeah, <laughs> all are welcome on Fight yeah, Island. Well, um, yeah, I don't know if we have too many answers to Fight Island. Is it really happening, or is it just is it just international fighters? Yeah, who knows right now? But um, yeah, we you know. But, you know, Greg Hardy is going to be living there. So, <laughs> but you know, it's, you know, it's nice though. Um, talking about Fight Island a little bit. That's the first time we mentioned it for about uh, I don't know for about four or five hours tonight. I didn't think about the pandemic. Didn't think about you know. Didn't think about you know. The fact that I'm not even at the there's a reason I'm not at the event, you know. So, uh, it's, it was just nice. It was different. It was um uh, not quite normal, but getting there. I think Cater was the first person to bring it up in a post fight speech. I could be wrong. I know I know it was uh, it wasn't really brought up much. I, I think it was Cater who's who um you know sent out a positive message regarding the whole yeah. uh, COVID nineteen situation. So yeah, I mean I don't think people were actively avoiding it, but it, um it's certainly you're right. It, it felt a lot like a normal um, fight night outside of, you know, some of the obvious reasons why it wasn't. But yeah, as far as the tone of the, uh, the tone of the card and um, the, you know, the distraction and the, the enjoyment that we get from watching mm-hmm. fighting, a lot of that was still there. And and I think it's fair for us to say, cause you know, p- people are still saying it to this point they were saying it at the news with Jock Ray and hopefully he's doing good today. And, you know, he's on the mend and coming out on the other side of this, and, that, and too, you know, the media is being too, negative yeah. Yeah, and the two cornermen yeah. as well, and you know everyone around those guys. But you know the MMA media is being negative again. Here we go, all this stuff. But you know I'm here to say that you know to to build on what Casey just said, we forgot about the pandemic. We forgot about the the the, the crap going on in the world, and the UFC was a big part of that. So I think you know d- despite all the negativity, despite the doubts and the criticism and all that stuff, and all those questions were justified by us. And it, you you can you you can say we're being negative. All you want, but those questions were all justified. The UFC did a hell of a job this week. Jose talked about it on uh, our little reaction video last night. Some of the stuff that they've been doing, but the UFC deserves a lot of credit for for pulling this event off, and of course, all the fighters coming through and just and just putting it all out there for us. So, uh, before we get into anything else, I, I believe that needs to be said and 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 well done to them. Yeah, I'm just uh, yeah, I'm absolutely. Just, yeah. I'm uh, now. I'm gonna stay positive. I'm gonna stay positive. I hope. I really. I'm really happy that the card went on tonight. And I was never against. I was never against this card happening. We just wanted to make sure that that not only the fighters are safe, that the fighters' camps are safe, the hotel staff is safe, the people of Jacksonville are safe. You know. So that's all. That's you know. That's all we we're just asking. Like, what are we doing to keep people safe? You know. So. Um, and yeah. But overall, I think the UFC did do a good job, and um, I was excited to watch fights tonight. Yeah. Uh, before the main card, I think Alex Kaylee has a has a robbery review between Donald Cerrone and Anthony Pettis. I yes. Mean, for for real. And you might even have two coming out of this card, but that one especially, because I, I honestly didn't see one person score that fight for Anthony Pettis. I, I didn't see it anywhere. I scored it for Cerrone. I just I just don't see how Anthony Pettis won that fight. I mean, he did. So he gets the win and the winner gets the spoils. But did any of you guys score that fight for Anthony Pettis? Well, I'll say, you know, uh, 
not only do we have a, a juicy scoring controversy, there was also an eye poke controversy, which may have directly led to the final result because there was that fight near the end, uh, which Pettis caught him with something. And then he said it was a punch. Cerny said he was poked, but I, I think he didn't get a break, right? So the fight just kept going. Yeah. And since the fight was pretty close, that may have affected the final score. So not only is it a question of judging, we may have a question of officiating uh, and how that situation was handled. So this could be a very, very juicy rivalry review. Uh, I was also looking at the... Uh, the Arspars of Waterson fight just because the scorecards were so crazy. I, I didn't necessarily disagree with the result, but anytime you have cards like that all over the place, you're like, maybe maybe something was up. I'd have to review it. And then uh, Olenek and Verdum was also a weird one. Again, I don't have a problem with the winner, but it was a split and it was kind of a close call. But yeah, I think we will be talking about Pettis Cerrone more. Uh, it's, it'll be one to enjoy watching again, too. It, it was a great fight with uh, with respect to the controversy. It was a really, really good fight and and the best possible kind of rematch you can ask for. Okay, well, apparently I was incorrect because now we're seeing the media scores <laughs> from MMA decisions and uh, it's six a- for Pettis and seven for Cerrone. So there you go. I guess uh, I didn't look at MMA decisions, but I'm just judging by the the wonderful wor- world of Twitter and mm-hmm. my own command center here. Um, but that's controversy. Though. Look, that's like split down the middle. I mean, that is controversy. You know what I mean? That's a perfect That's a perfect <laughs> Robert review if I ever that saw one. Con- yeah, you get yeah, the very rare double 30-27s on each, on each side. <laughs> Uh, uh, and, and look, I guess we have to uh, give credit to Stephen A. Smith because look, I, 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 obviously it was. I, I said I'd never bring this guy up, but I just <laughs> I had to I had to passively aggressively you. mock him now. Uh, yeah, look, uh, before the McGregor uh, the McGregor fight, he performed terribly. Uh, Stephen A. Smith suddenly calls him out, causes this big hullabaloo, questions his performance, gets gets Cerrone to admit that he just wasn't there in the McGregor fight, and suddenly Cerrone comes back and has a strong performance. So. I'm just saying, you know, uh, cause and effect. Stephen A. Smith might be, might be responsible for Donald Cerrone's turnaround, right? I'll, I'll be work. I'll, I'll work on that story this week. We'll see. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, just to bring up that uh, that clown, um, if he if he ends up taking credit for this fight, I'm just saying. I just people don't say I, I didn't warn you. There you go, Greg. Greg Hardy got uh, got back in the win column, defeating Jorgen De Castro. Of course, uh, Pettis gets the win over Cerrone. I want to talk about Bryce Mitchell because I feel like he was. Uh, he, he was someone that got a lot of attention tonight after that performance over Charles Rosa. That was phenomenal. That was grappling 101. Uh, props to Rosa, too. He was kind of like the, the the Tony Ferguson of the the submission defense world. You know, it was in, in compromising positions the entire fight and was, and was able to go the distance. But, man, Bryce Mitchell making it happen. He goes out in the post-fight scrum and says that he wants to catch the coronavirus so he can— uh, he, he, he learned how to deal with it. It's going to make his immune system stronger. Yep, those are actual words from uh, from Thug, Thug Nasty, but this is what we are. But, you know, we're talking about fantasy matchmaking, and I, I feel like with fantasy matchmaking, I think that that one got fantasy matchmaking the most after Bryce Mitchell's win. Everyone's like, oh, Bryce Mitchell versus Ryan Hall, which I know gets Alexander Kaylee excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, look, I just blacked, I just the, blacked up. He turned the AC on. He's getting hot in here. Whew. What happened? He's sweaty. Where are so we? I, I assume we know where you guys are heading. <laughs> I don't want, like, but I don't want to judge, like, that's a great fight. That's a great fight, and that's something there's, for there's me There's a lot of great fights for Mitchell right now. I think Andre Feely is a, is, is, is a good step up. Yeah. I think it's a name. You know, Feely had a good fight with Sadiq Youssef. And I think, like, where rankings don't mean anything, really. But if you look at probably where both of these guys are ranked overall, I think that matchup makes the most sense. It probably jumps Mitchell up, like, three or four spots. A win probably gets him into the top 15. And then we can start talking about the wizardry that would be Bryce Mitchell versus Ryan Hall. That's my thoughts. Where do you guys go? I'll, I'll throw another one out there for you, another undefeated guy. Uh, and this would be interesting. I think this guy's a good grappler, too. And also, I'd like to see the culture clash. How about uh, Arnold Allen? I know Arnold Allen. He's seven and zero in the UFC, so he probably should be a little bit further ahead than Bryce Mitchell. But for whatever reason, uh, they, he can't seem to really get like a big marquee fight. But if if he was willing to, you know, take that fight, I think that'd be such an intriguing, another kind of like intriguing grappling matchup, uh, and a, really a big test for Mitchell. But I was so impressed with how he dominated Rosa. Everyone knows Rosa's a great grappler, and and Mitchell was just fantastic. Um, uh, and, and just going for that uh, that arm triangle, that twister, and just getting those positions over and over again, it was sensational. So if Arnold Allen was willing to put his 7-0 UFC record against uh, Mitchell's 4-0 UFC record, that could be a really good fight. Do you agree with that, Casey? Another name that was thrown out quite a bit was uh, was Crone Gracie. But again, yeah. you know, unless, unless yeah. it's on the... 
I yeah, I, but you can do I, that fight. I'm not usually into grappler versus grappler fights in MMA. Um, I just think that's not what MMA is for, you know. Um, but um, but you know, I was super impressed because you know Bryce Mitchell's last performance is uh, Twister submission. I kind of I kind of put that. Well, that was a nice submission, but his opponent was you know not the top tier of 45 in the UFC. Charles Rosa to me is a very good 45er. Not, not maybe not ranked 45er, but I think he's a he's a tough dude. He's a he's a very strong talent, and he freaking dominated him. Like just, I, I think um, I scored it straight 10 eights. Did everyone score it 10 eight every round, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. I think that was. I, I, I think one judge gave. I think there were two 30-25s and one 30-24. and um, it was just and and like and not like just I, I'm just gonna hold you down 10 eight like. Like Rosa was fighting for his life, for his neck, for his arm the entire fifteen minutes. I, maybe, fourteen minutes and fifty seconds of that fight, he was defending a submission. I, I would say, and it was just so incredibly impressive. The cardio, the actually the athleticism that uh, Mitchell had, I was just, I was actually, I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you got you go through your fight picks and everything, and some you know some picks I'm bragging about. I'm like, oh, I totally nailed them. I, I totally knew Gaethje was gonna. No, knock out Ferguson. I got it, man. The one I was way off on was Bryce Mitchell. I thought actually I picked Rosa to win. I thought Rosa would win like dominantly. Woo! I'm stupid. <laughs> so um, Bryce yeah, Mitchell, was, yeah, Bryce Mitchell versus Hall versus, Crom, versus Crom versus Arnold Allen. I think right now he's his type of grappling is exciting no matter who he faces. So um, I think uh, it's wide open for him. But he, he needs, and he got he, his camo shorts. Yeah, yeah. And please just do that. What, what, what are we doing? You have, I mean, what are we doing, Reebok? It's done. Oh, Jeez. Oh, maybe, they can't, maybe they can't Big. find them. Maybe they can't find them because they're camo. Oh, I see what you did there, Casey. I see what you did there. Even at two eighteen a.m. here, Eastern Standard Time, I get you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I receive what you're throwing at me. Uh, anything else really stick out to you? I mean, Nico Price versus Vicente Luque. I just want to throw this fight out there because. Awesome. My brother, my older brother Bob, who doesn't really watch MMA that often, he's more of a WWE guy, uh, sent me a text out of nowhere and said, "This fight is awesome." So now the now casuals are watching. I think that was an important fight to put on the prelims, especially at that time with everyone being in the, being in the house because you know people who don't necessarily watch sport that often got to watch it and they're like, "What the hell is this? This is awesome." Uh, thoughts on Vicente Luque versus Nico Price? The performance from both guys, especially Vicente Luque getting that big win, coming off the the Wonder Boy fight, that was a that, that was a nice performance from from both of those guys. That fight was super exciting. Alex, what do you think? I mean, honestly, you know, if we're talking about like the most competitive fight of the night and ex- and also exciting, that was I mean that probably should have been the fight of the night. Uh, Luque and Price was was freaking. They I, I was watching and like. I was trying to see, man, are they ever going to leave? You know, there's the mini uh, octagon in the middle of the octagon, you know, the kind of the outline of the of the octagon. They never, they almost never stepped out of the line. There was maybe a couple of times when Price was able to push Luke back and get him out of there. Other than that, they would always reset and just right in front of each other. Uh, I'm not even going to make some social distancing gag, you know, whatever. But <laughs> they, they were never, honestly, almost there was maybe a few seconds of stretches of the fight where they weren't standing in, in each other's range and just trading. It was so, so, so good. Uh, so for me, that actually might've been the fight of the night uh, as exciting as, as, imp- as amazing as Gacy's performance was, it sort of became, it, it almost became difficult to watch after a while. Uh, how much punishment he was laying down uh, against Ferguson. And Ferguson was doing his best to fire back, but he was he was soundly getting beaten. That, that Luke uh, Price fight, that, that felt, it felt like it was up in the air for a while. Yeah, it was a, uh... A wild affair. A uh, c- couple of other news and notes coming out of tonight. Uh, the scorecards have been released for Ferguson versus Gaethje, and two of the judges gave Tony Ferguson round two. What do you think of that? Um, you know, again, I do recall it being better one, than the, the one uppercut, first the one, the one second he wanted that. Yeah, oh, yeah that would have to be it, right? He did drop him, yeah. But I didn't sure. know if that was enough to win the round, though. He, I kind of had it four rounds for Gaethje uh, I was, going I think to the yeah, I mean, he literally like Gaethje lost lost one second of that round. <laughs> I mean, like, like, like if he gets dropped in the first second of that round and then he dominates the rest of the round like he did, like that's no, that's just that's that's Florida, Florida. That's just I'm just gonna go Florida on that one. That's <laughs> yeah. it. We just go Florida. Uh, Dana White did his uh, post fight scrum with the media and announced that 
uh, Alex Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway, the rematch, uh, will be the next featherweight title fight. Alex, you look stunned. Why? What? What? <laughs> What is the? I am definitely not one of the people who. Uh, I, I mean, I, th- I saw like a maybe a little bit of uh, uh, backlash when Volkanovski won because it it wasn't like this nonstop action fight. It was you know it was a full dismantling of the champion, which I think is pretty damn impressive. Um, but I know there wasn't that big moment where he like rocked Max or like had him and like came close to finishing him, and that's fine. If if you don't you know you don't love watching that fight, that's one thing. But I think he's unquestionably the champion. Um, with respect to Max, who was a good champion, how many how many defenses did Max have? Th- three, two, two or two? I think maybe two. That to me is not like a dominant champion. Yeah. <laughs> it felt longer. He had it for a while. There's some injuries. There's some fights that fell through, you know? Yeah. Um, so it felt longer, you know, but I mean, if you're counting days, uh, if that's your way of gauging how like dominant or how, how the long, the longevity, uh, the quality of a champion's run, that's not how to go about it. Cain Velasquez, I think has a super long run as heavyweight champion. And again, he definitely didn't defend it as many times during that stretch as we would have liked to have seen. So, uh, I, I love Max, you know, uh, look, he, he's, he's an honorary Canadian. We love him up here. Uh, definitely honorary Torontonian, loves the Raptors. But if I'm speaking objectively, I, I would love to see someone else get a shot at Volkanovski first. That's that's a that's a strange one to me. Uh, unless no one else is is uh, healthy or or ready to take this fight, uh, maybe they know more than we do. But uh, no, just on paper at a glance, do not like that immediate rematch. Uh, I, just yeah. that, I find that kind of just boring matchmaking. Yeah, I think uh, TKZ. That would have been fun, a little Fight Island action, but who knows if I'm back in time. I'm going to share a quick photo, and this is one of those. So you want to be an effing fighter photos. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. Yeah, oh, you're, you're, where did it go? I just had it. All right, here we go. Brace yourselves, people. Brace yourselves. Ooh. Oh, first of all, I, we should ask him that. <laughs> we should check in the comments, and I'll, I'll look at them later. Yeah, who who do you think who do you guys think this is? is <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is an actual human being that is not makeup and that is someone who fought tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. I'd love to know. I'll check the comments later maybe to see uh uh who do people think this is. But uh Dan Mike, White, I'm, send that man, send his family fifty thousand dollars, please. Tax free, yeah. please give Mike, it to him. Do you want to tell people who were who this lovely visage that we're staring at here? Oh, apparently oh, it's I a man who don't. jumped in front of a train. <laughs> <laughs> He might have been better train. off. Yeah, he might have been better off if he had. If yeah. we're being honest, that's a, man. That is Nico Price. Yes. Good lord. That is. And Nico somewhere Price. he's smiling in that in that expression. <laughs> I, I think he's hitting the blue steel actually, which is even more. <laughs> so Nico's looking good. Nico's looking yeah. good. Good on him. Uh, He'll probably fun. be on Twitter tomorrow asking to to fight yeah. on Fight Island next month. A uh, couple more things from Dana White's uh, scrum, if you've been watching this the whole time. Uh, Dana White says a new Bantamweight champion will be crowned soon. He said it'll be Piotr Jan versus somebody. And Dana says the matchmakers will figure that out next week. So maybe Marlon Marais is, uh, I don't know if he's getting, maybe, I don't know. He's still the number one ranked guy. So if rankings actually mean something, then Jan versus Marais should be for the title. But I do like the uh, the tournament aspect. I think that's the way to go. But in the end of the day, we're still going to get what we want because if they do – well, now we have – Jan and Marais, and then you got <laughs> Sterling and Sanhagen. So, I mean, either way, those the two winners are going to match up anyways. So, uh, President Trump, good. Uh, the other one I think a lot of people are talking about, uh, nothing in the works uh, regarding a trilogy fight between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz because apparently those two were talking trash on Instagram today and – Although I think that's the fight to make for Connor, especially after tonight. Uh, if Connor wants to get back in there sooner rather than later, I mean, who else is there? I think uh, I think that's the fight to make. I don't know if they can afford uh, what those guys would ask for a trilogy fight at this point, um, given some of the some of the financial issues that Endeavor and the UFC might be having. Uh, those guys would be asking for a lot of money, and rightfully so, because that third fight, I don't care how long it's been since the last one. That's really one of the biggest fights you can make. I would still, I would argue to the casual fans, still much bigger than uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and and Conor McGregor. But uh, that's you know that's just my take on it. So I, I hope those people guys get compensated if that fight does happen. It's kind of just to pick on, on something before you. Hey, look, people want to see Steve A fight again. I guarantee you, you 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 send him the check with the with the right number on it. Trust me, he'll he'll put aside some of his other responsibilities and get back in that cage. Yeah. So uh, if you want to know why these fights aren't happening, listen, that's the main reason. All right, UFC, Dana White, whoever's in charge, whoever's signing the checks, you got to take care of these people. Okay, so uh, fans, don't worry about all the trash talk. Don't worry about all the politics or whose fault it is that a fight isn't happening. 
cut the check and it doesn't matter. Don't worry. We won't be talking about who's blaming who. Fight, these fights will happen. Uh, in the last couple of things, Dana White, May, May 23rd, still in the works. Uh, they're hoping Apex in Las Vegas. Uh, I know contracts haven't been signed yet, but Gilbert Burns versus Tyron Woodley is uh, supposedly going to be the main event for that card. And then the last thing I want to bring up is uh, Judge Chris Lee, one of the judges for Ferguson versus Gaethje, scored the fifth round 10-7 for Justin Gaethje. And the other two scored a 10-8, but uh, the rare 10-7. They scored the rounds there, which, even though it was finished. Yeah, yeah, why were those? I saw that. Why were they? Why did they do that? Why? That's a great question. <laughs> do we just do we just go with the same answer of Florida? Florida. I mean, are we yes. just gonna go back to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, I could see them like the judges just going like, "Oh, our job is done," and someone say, "Oh, guys, you missed the last. You missed the last box. You make sure to fill that in." It's just, yeah, you just have to. And they're like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Get back out like, there. Why? and score that card? Yeah. Hey, yeah, you guys aren't done. You finished your job yet. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think I. I mean, he finished the fight, so that's like a ten nothing, really. If you want, if we're scoring the fight at ten seven, like 10, why ten seven, ten six, ten five? What does it matter? There was no, the fight ended. Yeah, that's a, that's a strange. No, one. I mean, that, that round was definitely a ten four. Come on, guys, it wasn't a ten seven. Oh, are you sure, insane? Sure. Okay. Jeez, what am I saying? What am I saying? Jeez. They got I'd a new Tony champ. Up. They got a new champ. I give it to. I give it a ten eight because because of Tony Ferguson. Uh, look at that smile. Look oh, that. good. He took he took a picture with the belts. Okay. And he's got the belts. All right. Yeah. He did, for anyone who didn't see after, he did say like, "Oh, I want I'm, I want to wait for the real thing." But he appreciates it. He respects a good photo op, so taking a picture with the title. Yep. Now he gets that championship money along with it. So, uh, what a night! I mean, what else can we say at this point? I mean, there's probably a, a million other things we could talk about, but yeah, uh, no, we skipped Carla Sparza gets a win, so she's yeah. back on the, track. I, I think I have Michelle. I I I judged it. I have Michelle winning that fight. I did too. Okay. That's another robbery. Yeah, I wonder what one, made one judge had a thirty twenty seven for for Watterson, so yeah. you're certainly not I, off. I, uh, one I of the judges thought, thought it was Michelle's fight. fight, so I guess that makes up for the Courtney Casey decision. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, yeah. but there you know. have it. UFC two forty nine in the books, uh, and then you know you think we're going to be off for a while, but oh. no, we're not. Wednesday night, we're back at it again. We do it again. <laughs> tired, Anthony right? Smith versus Glover Teixeira. <laughs> And then a week from tonight, we do it again. Walt Harris versus Alistair Overeem. Obviously, these cards are a little bit thinner than we saw tonight, but usually that means that the action is going to be fantastic. So, um, Alex, any parting words on the UFC's Just, return? Hey, man, thanks everyone for tuning into this show. Uh, everyone who follows our site, you know, I know, I know, it's been a very, very weird time to read about MMA. Um, you know, we've been trying to bring you stories. Uh, you know. Both updates on on the, the the UFC situation and also you know what fighters are doing during just the coronavirus pandemic and how they're preparing, how they're training, and you know and whatever other usual odd stories we bring you. So we've been trying to keep the normal coverage, guys. I know people people have been sticking around and been, and been reading, and we always appreciate it. And I hope everyone enjoyed the fights tonight. You know, however, however you feel about it, you know how safe the event was and and how good the UFC was with their safety precautions. Credit to the fighters and staff and everyone for putting it together. And again, also for the fans, again, for sticking with it and uh, and just being passionate as always. You guys are freaking crazy. Casey, parting thoughts. I just, um, I'm happy things are going to get back to normal. I'm, hope, I'm hoping things are going to get back to normal. I'm happy to watch fights. I'm happy to to, to do my job in, the, in the, the full sense, not just, you know, not just the stay busy part of doing the job. And um, yeah, I'm just... Uh, I'm happy fighters got paid. Um, I'm happy. Just, you know, things are going good right now. And I'm hoping everyone gets home safe. I hope, hope no one's, everyone's tests come out negative. And um, we still got, we still got you no, know, we still have those things. And I hope, hope the next two fight cards are awesome. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to, hoping things stay awesome. And I just, um, what was that? What was yesterday? <laughs> Friday. Um, I went down to San Diego and, um, for the first time in maybe two months, I actually uh, shot a video, went to a gym, and we did a little behind-the-scenes training v video with Angela Hill, who will be fighting the co-main event against Claudia Gadeta. And so we did like a big social distance um, uh, training video and at Alliance, and that was um, very fun, and we should, we should have that out um, sometime this week. That's awesome. Um, and then I, I pretty much am going to jump on the shoulders of both of these gentlemen. Uh, thank you guys all for watching and listening. I know I'm kind of the new kid on the block, and uh, the feedback's been great. So I appreciate that very much. Of course, as the people call me Dana White's long-lost son and whatever, <laughs> I appreciate that as well, uh, whatever you guys have to say. But that means you're watching, and that's great. So uh, shout-out to all the fighters. 
phenomenal night. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Like Casey said, it kind of made us forget about what's going on in the world. And uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't shout out our guy, Jose Youngs, who is on the ground, oh, yeah. boots on the ground in Jacksonville, just doing a fantastic job out there. Uh, Jose Youngs, the A-side man, uh, just doing big things out in Jacksonville. We appreciate everything he's doing. Wearing the mask and going through and getting swabbed up the nose towards the brain. Um, I'm sure that sucked for him, but you know, all for you guys, all for you guys. He's making that happen. So, uh, so that's it. So I think uh, I think we're doing the A side on Monday. I think that's the plan. Is that, that you know? Pretty we, sure we, that's what's happening. We're not we're not quite sure. Everything's because, so up in the air. Right yeah, now. because USC is doing another virtual media day. We're not sure if it's at the same time right now. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. We'll find out. Well, we'll so, something will be. We'll, we'll have something out there. Either it'll be UFC content or it'll be us <laughs> blabbing about fights. Yeah. Yes. All of that will be happening. So, thank you all for watching. Again, to all the moms out there, Happy Mother's Day. Hey. We salute you, you hardworking ladies out there. Kudos to you. This day is yours. So, hopefully, you know I'm not going to probably even sleep at this point. <laughs> you know I got to get up with my kid in like three hours to to make breakfast and do the whole Mother's Day thing. So. Uh, and then back at it with with Alex Kaylee. We got we got a cool new little feature coming out t- uh, sometime tomorrow. I think mm-hmm. you guys will dig. You know, kind of going back with the matchmaking stuff. So for Alex Kaylee and Casey Lydon, I am Mike Heck. Hope you guys enjoyed UFC 249. Thanks for watching. Have a great rest of your night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.